Welcome back to Officially Unofficial. I'm your host, the former face of junior college baseball, the fall American Johnny Junson. We're here with a guest that needs no introduction. Men want to be him. Women want to be with him. He has the silkiest hair in Major League Baseball and is known for his smooth pimp job after he launches a baseball into orbit. He had 132 hits in 2018 for the Miami Marlins. He is Cincinnati Reds infielder, Derek Dietrich. What is up, Derek? What's up, buddy? How are you, Johnny boy? Uh, how about that for an intro? I told you, man, I, I had to bring out all stops here. Hey, you did not let me down. That was, uh, I especially like the, the, the guys want to be me, the women want to be with me. That's that's perfect. No, all joking aside, happy to be uh, getting a chance to talk to you among during these crazy times, bro. Yeah, exactly, man. It has been crazy. And, and and let's just go into right here. What have you been doing? I mean, right here, I want to put this on the record for people that aren't seeing the visuals here. He is the first guest to ever be just chilling outside, just suntanning on the episode, which I respect because, I mean, kind of makes me kind of kind of lowers my self-esteem here with how yoked he is, but it's completely cool. It's completely fine. What have you been up to? What have you been doing? Well, obviously, so since we don't know when the, uh, the season's actually going to start or spring training is going to restart where you know we've been asked and i think everyone is doing it anyways all of the players are, are trying to stay as you know ready as possible so for me um i'm blessed i have access to a a private gym so i can get in every day and continue my workouts and um and as far as baseball activities go um I have a local cage that i just go in myself personally and uh do some some hitting and, and throwing so um, you know, most of my day is still like it would be in the off season. Um, you know, train in the morning, baseball in the afternoon. Um, get a chance to sit out in the sun. I mean, uh, I know these are crazy times, and you know, the uh, the health of every citizen is super important. But I think um, you know, a lot of people ask me like, do you have any advice, or you know, what do you, you know, what do you think about all this? And I think um, you know, we have to practice patience during all this. Um, you know, we definitely need to come together and listen to the rules and guidelines that, uh, you know, the CDC and, and health professionals are putting out there. But, you know, be patient, take a step back. And, you know, this may be the only time in your in our lives where you don't quite have the same responsibilities in the sense that, you know, you don't have to go places. You don't have to go to, you know, things that you normally would. And, and so enjoy the family time, enjoy the time being home and and do the best that you can during, uh, you know, this uh, national pandemic. So, you know, making making do. Yeah, and like I said, man, I, I've been going through hell here. Like I said, I can't gamble on sports, can't do anything. So pretty much what I'm doing is, and people are going to call me a degenerate for this. Listen to this. I've just been grinding on uh, Ireland and uh, UK horse races and the stock. And I don't know what you've been doing. Have you been watching like uh, MLB games? So actually, yeah, I, um, I I've been doing a lot of. Uh, IG lives more than usual. I've been trying to one stay as engaged and connected to fans and family and friends as much as possible. So yesterday, um, I actually rewatched the uh, the entire um, home opener from 2019 as MLB kind of played and offered all the games that you know for for fans to watch. So I watched it and I went IG live on a, a, you know a, during a few innings. It was kind of cool. It was actually sped up like no commercials, no BS. It was just like, you know, action. And it was quick. It was like an hour and 40 minutes. If only the games really went that fast, it'd be kind of cool. But so I watched it and in, in, interacted, engaged with fans and kind of went back and forth. But of course, would you believe it? Um, you know, when the 
best parts of the game, the seventh, eighth, ninth innings when we mounted the comeback, and I was very, and I was fortunate to hit that home run. IG Live went dark. Like everybody, like, <laughs> but it, it was it's totally stopped working. So, um, you know, maybe it was like a sign that I actually because I never really got to enjoy the, the moment outside of being in. Like I never watched it really again. I saw like a cl- clips and highlights, but you know, watching the whole game in its entirety, I don't know when was the last time I actually watched a whole major league baseball game so um i did watch that game and um you know it brought back amazing memories my sister is is here with me and we watched it and you know she was tearful and and prideful and joyful just like i was i was getting goosebumps so you know we miss baseball we want to be out there playing that's for sure yeah and i remember watching that moment because i I obviously i was i'm like friends with amir and friends with uh, winker and I, when you came in that game and you launched that uh, baseball, what was kind of running through my head is, which is kind of weird, is what is going through your head when you launch a baseball like that? Is it just like a out of body experience, or what's going through your head? I mean, I, I think I put it best like that day. It's like, it's, I, I say you couldn't really have drawn it up, but like if if you were in my shoes and you're and you were like, okay, you didn't get a chance to start the game, but it was your first time ever stepping foot on the field as a Cincinnati Red you get put in that moment like if you were to write it up like how would you want this moment to go the absolute best it could possibly go you'd be like oh, i'd love to hit a home run into the stands with all the people and, and put us ahead to, to win the game and it's like when it happens when that happened it was just like pure enjoyment um you know pure gratefulness and it was just like i couldn't wait to get back to the dugout and see all of the guys, all my new teammates, see all the fans' reactions, and it was just, um, you know, I said it was a blessing that day. It's still a blessing to, to think about to this day, and, uh, you know, it will be tough to ever top that moment. And we mentioned that you're from Ohio, and this is a question that I usually ask the guys that are nasty at baseball, like you yourself. When did you realize, like, I am a dog at baseball? Like, I'm nasty at the game of baseball. Like, what age for you did you realize that I'm different than these other kids and I'm far superior? <laughs> um, I think I started to understand um, around the age of 12 that I was pretty gifted. I was, I always played up. Like, I played travel. I started travel ball at, like, nine. But I, I started with 11-year-old teams. And from, like, the time I started, I always played two years up just because I wanted to be challenged and I wanted it to be competitive. Um, so I always started playing with older kids. And so I was like, okay, like by the time I got to maybe 12, 13, right when I hit high school, and I went to a really prestigious high school, St. Ignatius in Cleveland, very, very astute uh, educational uh, school as well as athletics. And when I um, made the varsity team as a 14-year-old freshman, um, you know, I was just, uh, I was like, okay, I think I'm going to be able to at least go play college ball and, and, and get a scholarship at some point. And obviously my goal was always to play professionally and in the major league. So I would say what my first real inclination was probably about 12. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause that, that's funny. Cause that's actually when I realized I was shit at baseball. Like <laughs> when I was 12, I was like, I'm probably going to have to go the Juco route. And then you don't know that much about me. I hit below my body weight at Juco, but I launched baseballs for a living. I was a five o'clock hitter BP kind of guy for those new listeners. I was just, I wasn't the greatest. That's why I was the full American. I only hit when the leaves were changing, but that's besides the fact. Let's go into, let's go into your uh, university career. You went to Georgia tech. I believe is Georgia tech. Obviously I don't know why I said, I believe what was your time like there at Georgia tech? Were you just getting DMS from every girl 
at school or were you just mashing were you just focusing on mashing baseballs? So um in 2007, when I was a senior in high school, I was actually drafted by the Houston Astros, and uh, I was I was drafted with their first pick. They didn't have a first or second round pick that year because of trades and signings, so their first pick that year was in the third round, and I was their first pick. But I uh, I guess looking back on it, I, I know I did the right thing because I, I wouldn't change a thing um, that's happened in my entire life. So I uh, I went to Georgia Tech. I decided to go to school instead, and. Um, you know, going to the ACC, just uh, such a, a great baseball conference. And then going all the way south to, to Georgia and that weather from Ohio was like a, a dream come true. I still believe I hear this from so many people like the, the playing surface and like the actual feel that tech at Russ Chandler Stadium is the best hands down. And it's not a shabby little stadium. I mean, it's not the biggest as far as seating capacity, but is, you know, Danny Hall and the coaching staff there. It was it was, uh, you know, like. A plus um, run organization or run uh, you know college baseball program and uh, you know I I really did focus on on taking those three years to kind of progress and mature as not only a person but as a baseball player um, and uh, you know with a focus of you know getting to professional baseball but I did have my I did have my fun and uh, like everyone has to in college but I definitely went there with the mindset of um, do what I need to do to use these three years to get better at, uh, at baseball and, and prepare for the next draft. So were you the poster boy of Georgia tech? Like were you, like every poster around the school had Derek Dietrich on it. Was it, was it like that or was it, was it more low key for you when you were there? Um, I, when I first got there initially, like no one really knew what to expect. Um, uh, I actually went to school. I had, a if the, you know, the reds that have in the reds fans, the reds that followed me, I had, a I had a shoulder surgery just in this past September, and my only other injury in my career that was substantial was back in, in when I was 17, when I was just going through that draft the first time I had my shoulder um, repaired then. So I got to Georgia Tech, and I was kind of like under the radar as far as everything goes, even with my teammates, because I, I was rehabbing. I couldn't really practice or play yet, so I was like really under the radar, and um, then I kind of, you know, day one of first game of this year, I, I had a couple fall games under my belt and I started shortstop day one and uh kind of like the the rest is history I ended up starting every single game that I was at Georgia Tech I have the second longest game started streak behind Jason Veritek who went four years and I only went three um but uh, I mean I was a I was the freshman player of the year for the entire you know um college baseball ranks um and then um you know I uh, Kind of followed up sophomore year was pretty good and then you know all americans every every year so i don't know if i was like necessarily the poster boy but um i did have a, a pretty good college career you know in the sense that uh you know i was drafted again in 2010 by the tampa bay rays this time in the second round and um you know that's where i started my professional career yeah and when, when you go back to georgia tech like i asked this to a lot of the guests are you like kissing babies foreheads autographing children like what, what goes on when you go back to georgia tech are you like the hero there do all the kids look up to you when you go back there um i mean i i like to go back and see the players of course and see the guys that are there and you know they even when i was there you knew like the greats like the you know like I said, Veritech went there to share, uh, you know, more recent, like Matt Weeders. And, and I even went to school like Charlie Blackman, Chuck Nasty. So like you kind of have that um, respect and admiration for the guys that come before you, even in Major League Baseball. So none of that changes. But, um, you know, it was like, uh, yeah, I, I would say 
Um, yeah, I think I still have a pretty good following as a baseball player that, you know, went through Georgia Tech's definitely in back in my hometown in Cleveland at St. Ignatius. And, you know, um, both, I, I think I couldn't have done it any better as far as, you know, not everyone gets a chance to go to St. Ignatius. It's very expensive, but it's also very uh, difficult, too. I mean, it's one of the best high schools in the country, I believe. And then to go to a, an institute in a college like Georgia Tech, I mean, those were two really big um, decisions and opportunities that really molded me and, and, and formed me into, uh, you know, the guy you see sitting here in the sun now and, and the person you see on the field. And, you know, um, I really think a lot gets not lost, but it's you, you see a player and or you watch a player and you see him on TV, you see him in the dugout and stuff. And what, you know, I think a lot of people, what you, I, I, I'm always weary of not or telling people don't lose sight of the unless you actually get to meet the person or, or be around the person or he stops and signs autographs i think everyone will agree um you know yeah i like to have fun and i do a lot of crazy stuff on the field and you know people may not like the way i play or he may like the way i play you know but i always do my absolute best in the community um with fans with others with other other even other players like i, I really have no beef like yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about it or whatever, but, you know, Chris Archer this or this Pirates that. It's like, yo, there's no real animosity in my game at all towards, you know, anyone. I, obviously, when I'm playing, I always say this to, to um, you know, other people, whether it's scouts that are watching me or people watching me. I'm like, my goal isn't to be the best friend of the other team or any other player. Like, actually, it's the exact opposite. I want to be a, a, a pain. I want to be – I don't want them to enjoy playing against me. So – you know, if they get mad or Chris Archer's mad or Pirates are mad or other players, then I'm doing my job, right? I mean, you know, if they're like, hey, we love to play against Derek, we'd be like, oh, okay, well, that's that's kind of weird. So, you know, I know that I kind of went from all the way from college and, and high school to that. But, um, you know, I think it's important because those things mold you as a, as a person and as a player. So, Yeah, no, and exactly. And the thing is that I want to offer to you is I always offer this to my guests. I am officially like you don't even have to sign off on this. I'm your burner account on Twitter. I'm the guy that's going to be jawing at people that come at Derek Dietrich. I'm the official Derek Dietrich burner account. Like I said, this is my occupation for a lot of players, but especially with you, because fans love John at Derek Dietrich on Twitter and Instagram. And now they have to deal with me. And I like I said, I have a long, a long rap sheet of 40 year olds that hate me on Twitter. But like I said, I'm willing to grow that list for you, Derek, Derek. And that's what we're going to do, man. Like, like I said, I'm the Derek Dietrich burner account. So that's what I'm offering to you as coming on to this podcast. <laughs> well, hey, I, I, I appreciate the support. Hopefully there's not too many that you have to, uh, you know, answer to. And, you know, and I'm a and I like to say, too, like I'm a I'm a, I'm a big boy. I'm a, I'm a professional. And uh, hopefully I can I can answer some of those things myself. I, I can't really see how I could really have that many uh, haters and me, but I mean, when you're in the in the spotlight or when you're, you know, on this stage, you know, it comes with the territory, like my parents used to always tell me. So, you know, I totally get it. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, I know where my head and my heart is. So, um, you know, I really only have to, you know, answer to, you know, uh, the Lord and, and myself and my family, the people closest to me. So. I, I like comparing Major League players to kind of celebrities, and I wanted to call you the Fawns of Major League Baseball. I, like I said, I, I like making the T-shirts. We're going to refer to you as the Fawns of Major League Baseball. And I'm going to show you a shirt I made for a friend of the show, one of my good friends, Jesse Winker. This is a shirt that we made for him, and I just want you to see how electric this is. Right here, because he, he was the sandwich pick of the MLB draft. There, oh, he, is. there he is. I, look at that. That That's 
Look at that face. I love it. I know. Hey, you're just a I handsome man. And the, the, what it says what it says on the shirt is you can't read it. It says the greatest sandwich pick of all time. The GSPOAT and Jesse Winker is the greatest sandwich pick of all time as nominated by me on this podcast. What is it like playing with Jesse? Because give the fans a little bit of insight on the beauty that Jesse Winker is. There's not some, uh, you know, if I could say, describe Jesse Winker, there, there's not something that he can't talk about. Um, he, he's, he's got, he's got an opinion or an idea about everything. And, and, and when I think of Winker, I think of music because every single time I see Wink, whether he's in the bathroom or he's walking in from the clubhouse or he's in the training room, he's in the gym, I think only not on the field and in the dugout. Does he not have his cell phone with him playing music? I mean, it's if he's eating, he loves his music. So like, which is cool. I like music, but it's like, okay, here comes Winker. You know, you can, you can, you just hear him coming. He's always, he's always got a song on. And then you start going about something, and he'll be like, he'll be like, you know, he'll be like, oh, bro, you don't want to know what happened to me today? And you're like, I really don't have time. And he'll just like, oh, well, I was out and uh, I saw this dog. On side of the road and i love listen i love animals and i've saved plenty of animals and dogs and this and that. he's like I, I saved this dog and i put it in this box and this woman came and they're like okay bro i gotta go to the, the gym now and he's like well wait, wait wait and he's like telling you the story and he's like, what and it's like and you know as my dog comes come see she, she heard this, so is back, you know, this is back-to-back dog appearances on official and official actually last episode we had a dog appearance too and this is the this is the cool thing about wink that i wanted to mention on the podcast about how good of a guy he is i'm just driving around on january 1st on new year's i get a facetime from wink like literally maybe the last guy that i'd ever think facetime me because it's just like i mean he's probably busy he's a pro athlete and he facetimes me to say happy new year's to me i'm like this guy is a gem like i'm just like it's just i don't know he's just such a good guy yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Wink's a, Wink's a genuinely good dude, and I only I, I say that just with all love and respect because you know he'll he's easy to talk to. Wink loves like he loves to talk and relate, and, and but the music thing is legit. I mean, he loves his music, and but he's also a, a really legit player. I mean, he's a catalyst at the top of the lineup, and uh, you know he um, you know he plays the game and 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 has fun doing it, and uh, you know he's. Uh, He's been a fun teammate to be around, that's for sure. For sure. And the thing that's also cool about your team with the Cincinnati Reds is you guys are you guys have a lot of personalities on that team. You have Trevor Bauer, you got Amir, obviously, who just you have Wink and you have what is it like in the clubhouse for the Cincinnati Reds? Because it looks like the most electric factory of a clubhouse of all time. It's loud. Yeah, it's definitely loud. And uh, you know, there's a we, we, we talk a lot, like and um, you know, a lot of people go, Oh, you know what? Tell me what's different about Cincinnati. Like when they ask me personally, you know, I played my entire career with the Miami Marlins, and they're like, you know, what? Even whether it's performance, you know, when I the first amazing half I had, and they're like, you know, what changed for you, or what's different? And I'm just like, you know, I, I tell this, and this is still has it changed. It's like the people that we have in Cincinnati, like the people meaning the players, the staff, the manager, the coaches, the fans. Like we have great people, and good people here, and and. Um, it's not often, but like I can say this with true sincerity, like I like every single one of the guys in the, in the clubhouse and, and that, that doesn't usually happen. Like think about it, you know, any job that people have and, and, and it's like they you know, they go to work. It's like, they don't like everybody at work. It's really, you know, there's always somebody or, you know, people you don't like to be around or, you know, whatever, but like seriously in our clubhouse with our guys, I love to be around them all. So it just makes doing your job that much easier, I guess, in such a hard you know, job and hard game, but you know, it's it's definitely beneficial.
And speaking about that team, I have a question here that I like to put my guests on the spot. If you were to get married, name the three groomsmen that you would have on the Cincinnati Reds. The three guys that would be standing up at you when you go to get married. Whew. That is tough. I would say um, Kyle Farmer. Legend. I'd say Tucker Barnhart because he's an amazing dude. I'm super grateful for that guy. I'm actually, um, you know, very... Uh, I owe that guy a lot. He's been he's been there for me in tough times, and and I think I'd get in trouble if I didn't say Amir Garrett after. <laughs> oh, if something came, if somebody objected to me getting married, or somebody had had some beef at the wedding, then I, I'd have I know somebody would have my back. So, um, I would say I would say those those three guys, and I say okay. So Tucker, I took on his uh, visit. He he actually you know for the viewers, he committed to go to Georgia Tech and. Um, so I took him on his visit at GT. So I've known him since I was, I guess, 18 or 19 when I was at GT. Um, Farmer and I, um, Farmer and I kind of just hit it off. He's a Georgia Bulldog. I'm actually obviously a Georgia Tech Yellow Jacket, but we're locker mates. We have very outgoing personalities. And then, obviously, uh, Amir has always got a spot in my in my heart and on my team because of you know what he did. You know, not only for me, but for the whole team and the organization i mean he literally put us on his back and went over there and and, and showed him what we're all about and that we're not going to take any you know shit so um you know for that i'm grateful so i know there's probably guys that are going to be mad that i didn't say them but um you know it's, I, can make, I can make a case for everybody honestly but i'll go with those three yeah and and playing in cincinnati i have to ask this because you're an ohio boy also do you enjoy skyline chili are you a skyline chili guy so I got a chance when I was in Cincy, I did like a run the all-star break. I did like a, a, a day in Cincinnati where we, we went to the zoo, which was amazing. Saw Fiona, the, the, the super famous little hippo. Um, and then I went to Skyline Chili for lunch. And then we did like the Sky Star and we went to Grater's Ice Cream for dessert and stuff. So I kind of like did a, you know, a, a day in the life in, at, in Cincinnati. And so um Skyline chili, it was it was good. It was appetizing. I mean, I, I don't know as an athlete, I would eat it every single day or, or super often. But I mean, it's a staple in, in that community and in, in Ohio for sure. So, um, you know, I uh, I've got nothing bad to say, and uh, they were grateful or very generous and, and provided a whole bunch of people with uh, with meals. And so, um, you know, sh- shout out to Skyline Chili. I mean, they people love it in the, in the city of Cincinnati. And I have a proposition for you because you're famous for the for the bat flips, the bat drops, I guess we'll call them. This is a pimp job that I kind of want to incorporate into a game. Let's just make it happen here. Just think about it. And all, obviously this probably won't happen, but you and the bat boy kind of arrange something where the bat boy is holding this prop, okay? So when you hit a bomb, the bat boy is holding a neck brace and he runs it out to the pitcher and gives the pitcher the neck brace to support his neck while the pitcher watches your ball land out of Cincinnati. What do you think about that for a pimp job? Would that be a little bit too over the top? I think it would be over the top because I don't know any, too many pitchers that would participate. But I kind of <laughs> like. But, but no, hear me out. I kind of like the idea of the Bat Boy having something prepared. Like you know, when the guys score touchdowns, you know, like Terrell Owens used to have like the the marker in his back. Yeah, yeah. Sign the football or you know popcorn or you know. So I don't think it's a bad idea to have like the bat boy have something prepared, even if like I carried something around the base or bro, if he threw me a phone and I took a picture or, or took a Polaroid <laughs> and then threw it off or something crazy. Yeah. 
I mean, there's no rules against it, I don't think, but um, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't, like, I, I don't know if it would be accepted. And like I said, I'm trying to make the game of baseball fun again with this podcast and trying to bring it to the field. Like, I, I feel like that would be absolutely electric just to have a bat boy carry a neck brace out to an angry pitcher, just like kind of the XFL thing where they interview the kicker after he misses a kick. It's just incredible some of the stuff that goes on in that league also. And I have a couple rules that I wanted to go over. That These are obviously pretty funny rules that I came up with. This is my first rule. The first rule is... If you hit a home run with a dip in, it should be worth two runs. What's the thought on that rule? See, I don't like that rule personally because I, I don't I don't use smokeless tobacco. I I don't can I don't condone it. I know a lot of guys use it. Um, disclaimer: it's uh it's not safe for kids or for anyone. So you got to use it at your own risks. So I don't like that rule because uh, you know I don't. I don't even know if I could. It would suck to have to put a dip in just so you can. I could get two runs instead of one because that's you're taking your health into into account there. So I don't know. Give me another one. Hopefully you got another. Okay, one the, the, okay, fine. We'll instead of, we'll we'll have that one in the back burner. But this one will be also. If you're wearing three or more chains, if you're wearing three or more chains while you hit your bomb, it's two or more, more runs because you just break that rule every single time. You would be just always two run bombs. Hey, now that I can get behind. I mean, because I love the chains. I see, I see more and more guys wearing chains and uh, popping the chains, and I think it's cool, man. It's like, uh, you know, everyone's got their own little style and, and, and flavor, and uh, I will get behind that one. Yeah, so we can even go more. Who can wear it, put on the most jewelry? You know? <laughs> How, have you estimated the weight of your chains while you're playing? Like, because I, I feel like it has to exceed a certain amount of pounds on your neck when you're playing. You know, a lot of people, birds all over the place. A lot of people ask me, like, does that slow you down? Does that hit you? I'm like, yeah, that's why I work out. I, I work out harder so I can put on the chains and wear them. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it definitely adds a little bit of weight if you're not used to it. But you, I've been wearing them so long and I, t- I kind of, and I've built up over the years that I, you know, I definitely have, uh, you know, not, not uh, noticed a uh, difference. And this is my last rule. This is a, this is a fan favorite rule. Like the players usually love this rule. A player should get one time per year. They are allowed to fight either a fan or an umpire in this in center field. One time per year. That's it. Just one fan or umpire. They get to fight. Royal Rumble in the center. They they pick a middle of the game. At the end of the game, they fight them for entertainment. I would I would definitely get behind that. It's, and I would probably most more times than not choose an umpire because they have like a direct effect on, on your game and your performance where like a fan like you can't make excuses like yeah, yeah the fans can be there and like harassing you and, and yelling at you like first of all like what i i feel for winker on this one because like new york fans are really really tough to play in front of and he had his moments you know john with the uh the new york mets fans so you know but you got to realize that that's you know that's what they're they're allowed to do that and they do that but like i would love if an umpire you know you get you get screwed out of some calls and, you know, whether it's RBIs or, you know, big situations. So there's sometimes you get so heated that, yeah, you'd like, all right, ding, 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 MF, let's get in center field. And you take it to town with those guys. I think that'd be a, that'd be a good one. And what's the worst thing a, a fan, sorry, has ever said to you on the field? Like something that was borderline and that crossed the line or just something that was funny. You know, I think when they start like getting like your mom involved or, or start talking, you know, bad about your your family, you know, I, I can't say things specifically, but 
you know, I think a lot of times like like that, it's almost like, you know, you're watching a movie or you're with your buddies. You're like, don't talk about my mother, you know, don't say a word. <laughs> yeah. about and that rings true even when you're on the field. Like people will be like, Derek, you stink. You juggled that ball just like you juggle on YouTube and that dumb stuff or whatever. And, you know, it's like, OK, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then when they start like looking into your like personal history and like your family history and then calling you out, that's like, OK, weirdo. Like, seriously, yeah. Like, you're taking a little bit far, so, but, you know, it's yeah, part of it. And w- what fan base is the worst? I'm assuming it's Pittsburgh, just based off what Amir has told me stories of, like, stuff that fans have even said to Amir in Pittsburgh or Winker in New York. But what, in your opinion, what is the worst fan base for chirping? Uh, when I played left field with the Marlins at Yankee Stadium, they were the absolute worst. And they do not stop from the moment <laughs> start. Until it ends. They do not stop. I only played there a couple times, and, um, you know, but it was terrible. Like, the Mets, still bad. Phillies, pretty bad. You know, everybody's got some, you know, but, like, collectively, everybody there chirps all game long. It can, like, I've heard players, like, swear that in, like, past years have wore earplugs that you can't see, like, in the ears, you know? <laughs> Like they're not putting like big ones on, but like the in-ear ones, like flesh color or whatever, because they just don't yeah. want to hear it. Like it's such, it's it's crazy. And I remember a story when I was a kid. I went to Yankee Stadium and I watched Yankees Red Sox, the old Yankee Stadium, and I was just like ten. And I remember that there was a Red Sox fan trying to take a piss, and the Yankees fans were refusing to let this guy in to take a piss. And I was just like eight. I was like ten. I was like, what in the hell is going on here? There's just old guy trying to take a piss and the Yankees fans are like no 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 you are not taking a piss here which is just got, kind of puts a background in how crazy those fans are yeah they're like no 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 you're not even gonna, we're not even gonna let you take a number two or a number one in our bathrooms like you're gonna have to find another one this you know that's that rivalry is pretty uh, fierce I mean that was always a fun one to watch as a kid and, and even as a professional like on TV like I feel like that game is on those games are like on every time I turn on the TV, first of all, and they're always like four and a half, five hours. Like they're the ones that force Major League Baseball to go into this, you know, it's got to be two hours, 59 minutes type of stuff because their games literally be on all night long. Yeah, exactly. And the thing that's also cool about the present day rivalry is like that rivalry is kind of shifted towards you guys and the Pirates, which is so cool because you guys are kind of close to each other. It's not that the teams aren't that far from each other. And do you guys feel that as players when there is like a little bit more of a rivalry against the team because you guys see them more often, or is it just like that's just a fan thing? Um, yeah, well, we see them, we see them a lot, right? So we play them the most, and they're just up to you know a couple hours away from from us, and so yeah, it, it, it can definitely turn into a rivalry. Like you don't have time with the other teams that you play like you know once in one part of the year, and then like a, again later, and so it's like yeah, you kind of forgive and forget you know type of thing even if you have some beef but it's like seems like every other week the pirates are coming in or we're going there so it's like all right we, we'll, we'll see y'all in a week we'll see y'all in a couple weeks so you know i kind of just you know that 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 animosity i guess even though i said we don't really you know sometimes i mean obviously they kind of kept it going I, I i think the stuff towards the end of the year was was clearly still in their their minds not necessarily ours but you know, so it was like, yo, this is, yeah, it's starting to get out of hand. And, you know, Amir took it, took it into his own hands there. But, <laughs> and, uh, you know, we were, we were right there, but we, we still have a lot, you know, a good laugh at that. I mean, 
if you you know some of the best footage is like seeing David Bell sprint out of the the uh, clubhouse after he had already been ejected and and just come straight in full <laughs> tilt. It just kind of shows you like you know we we did yeah, we we had each other's backs and uh, you know that was a uh, that was uh, a nice little little scuffle there and uh, you know fans were excited to see when Pirates came to town or we. You know that when we went there, so it just you know it added to the excitement of watching those games. Yeah, that's the kind of cool thing that I like about hockey is is like when there's fight. Obviously, it's not a good thing, but when there's fights, it kind of brings a team together, right? It, it kind of shows that they you guys have each other's backs. And when Amir did that, and I I saw it on Twitter because I wasn't watching the game, and I was like, man, did Amir just do? Like I texted him, and then he just responded, just the most Amir thing ever. He responded, you know I'm like that. That was his response to the fight. He's like, you know I'm like that, and I was just like, yeah, I I guess I kind of do know that you're like that. What was running through your head when you saw him run? into the dugout by himself i was just like oh you know i was on the field and i was just like oh he's oh first of all i, I was like when that pitching change start like started to take shape and i was just like dude oh my i'm like dude he is pissed like look at him. he's like jawing at them they're jawing back the whole dugout's jawing at them and and so like i was like dude, he's he's seriously upset and then i kind of like started to like feel the tension even more and i was like when he started to go i was just like for a moment i just was like i just stood there and i was just in disbelief for a second and i think we all did and then it was like all right let's get over there and so then we all just kind of filtered in and and uh, but yeah he definitely took he did the most damage and he (laughs) you know he he took out the you know the most guys and you know, he's, he was forever respected for that, not just in our clubhouse. Like, you know, Christian Yelich, MVP, you know, who I played with in Miami, literally texted me that night on the plane when I was on the plane. He's like, yo, that was some of the most gangster stuff I've ever seen from anybody. <laughs> you know, everybody around the league knows. Like, so, like you said, Amir texts you and he's like, yo, that, that's how, you know I'm like that. Well, guess what? I think everybody knows now nah, you not to mess with him because if he came out a whole team, you, you try to mouth off to him or do something he doesn't like. Well, you, you know, you know, he's like, no, I just couldn't stand there. Hey, look at that catch. Sorry about that. Little there it is. No worries. Here. No worries. We, we got a phone drop here. Not a big deal, but he caught it because, I mean, he has the nicest hands in Major League Baseball as proclaimed by here. But l- yeah. let's go in. You mentioned the Miami Marlins playing with Christian Yelich. Let's yeah. talk about that team just a little bit here, because obviously I want to stick with Cincy. But that sure. team that you were on was one of like the most stacked rosters I've ever seen. The most, like, just you have Yelich, you have Stanton, obviously, you have you who had 132 hits, whatever. Is that good? I don't know. You tell me. What was it like playing for that team? Well, we, we definitely had a bunch of ballers and, and really – Good, good players on that team, top to bottom. Um, I was just touching on that the other day with somebody, and and to be quite honest, when, um, when Jose Fernandez passed, um, the team chemistry and, and just the the overall um, shape of the team, you know, just changed because uh, the owner Jeffrey Loria, after owning the team for quite some time, um, he just decided that it was time to sell, and so. When this team was sold, and you know the owner, the new ownership, and the, the old ownership, and the new ownership, and they needed to clear space and make it, uh, I guess, somewhat uh, financially sound, and um, you know they just changed the the landscape of the entire team. So, you know, we had the we had the team, the tools, and the players, and everything to win. Obviously, losing the best pitcher in the game at the time wasn't going, you know, was 
it's um, just terrible just because of, you know, to lose someone so special. Um, that was just, uh, you know, unthinkable time. But, you know, so that kind of really just started the transition and, you know, of breaking up the team and going, you know, our separate ways. And But we definitely had a team to, to win. What was what was like the the chemistry like when you guys all separated? Do you guys like still kind of keep in touch with each other, or you got have you guys kind of went your distant ways? Yeah, there's still a good group of guys that I, I keep up with. Obviously, you know when he was still he had just retired. Martin Prado, um, you know, was there for a long time. Miguel Rojas, I still keep in touch with. You know, Miggy and I, you know, shared a lot of time and laughs together on the on and off the field. Uh, you know, I still talk with Yelly all the time, especially that we're both out here in AZ. We see each other often. Um, you know, uh, Stanton, I, I would keep in touch with, you know, a lot of, uh, even JT Romuto. So a lot of the guys, you know, like when you go and play in their city or they come to you, you, you make it a point to, you know, get, uh, get together, um, and, uh, you know, reconnect. And, uh, so, yeah, I mean, you always, you always have guys that you, you know, you, you stay on the lookout for and follow and, uh, things of that nature. So. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the most legendary teams of all time. And let's go into – I just want to ask this one question about your season when you had 132 hits, which yeah. is honestly unheard of. Like, I haven't even had 132 hits my whole life. So let's go into the 132 hits in one season. What is running through your head when you're having a season that good? Are you doing the same pregame routine, listening to the same music, or is it just you're kind of just doing what you're doing? Um, I think the biggest thing is, like, the – opportunity i was playing a lot and uh, i was having a chance to play on a day-to-day basis like you know i i can't stress it enough like um no matter what job you you have if you have you know if you do practice or you do your job every single day you get better at it so you know we can practice baseball a lot absolutely like everyone practices a lot but the more you play it the more games you play the more at bats you have the better off you're going to get um and so that year I was playing a, a whole lot every single day. So I had a chance to get a lot of hits. I had a, a lot of at-bats. And so I was consistently getting better throughout the season. So, um, you know, that's just kind of how, you know, it takes shape. And, uh, you know, that was an amazing, amazing season. And with you with Cincinnati now, and uh, this is a question that's a little sentimental. What would you say would be your best moment? I'm assuming it was, we'll say besides the opening day bomb. What would you say would be your best moment as a Cincinnati Red, like the best game, like the game you're taking to the grave, the game that you want to put on your resume? So, other, yeah, uh, yeah. other than the, the opening day home run, with that, personally, the three-run home run game, um, or the three-home run game against Pittsburgh um, in Cincy was probably my personal best moment, I think. Just, you know, being able to hit three homers in a game, like not a lot of guys have done it, and it's, you know, that was an amazing personal moment, but... I'll still take the home run opening day, those feelings, those memories with the fans and, and the teammates and everything. I'll take that one in my grave as well. Yeah, and this is the second last question. I just wanted to bring it up. It's uh, brought to you by Fit Me Right Up Clothing, fmruclothing.com. It's like a, it's an online clothing store where you get to kind of measure yourself just based off your smartphone because you're in isolation. You don't want to be touching other people. You don't want to be getting sick. So this is the question that's brought to you by fmruclothing.com. So let's, let me ask you a question about a former guest, Amir. What is Amir like? Because I've stressed about how good of a guy he is off the field. What is Amir like as a guy in the clubhouse? Is he like the the gel guy, or is he the jester, the funny guy that's keeping people loose? What is he like in the clubhouse? Um, you know, he's a he's a combination of, of of a lot of things. Obviously, you've seen that he can turn it on and be serious and 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 be intense and fiery 
and aggressive, of course, and um, all in good ways, of course. Uh, but he also can have fun, joke around, have, you know, keep guys loose. He plays jokes. He, you know, he's a big video game guy. If, if you if you don't know, I'm not a huge video gamer, but he, he loves the games. I think that's hilarious because it's like, you know, I always used to joke with him. I'm like, bro, you, you're like this, this badass on the mound, this like feed dude, you get out there and everything. And then it's like, I'll go to his room on the road. I'm like, he's playing like Fortnite with 14 year olds. And I'm just like, dude, what are you, what are you doing? And he's like, yo, I like to play video games. What? You know, it's like deets, deets. And I'm like, all right, whatever. So, um, you know, he, he's, he's a good blend, man. He's a good combination of, uh, you know, all of the characteristics that, uh, you know, you want in a friend and a teammate. So, um, you know, He's uh, definitely a, a, a unique a unique dude. Um, so that's that's Amir yeah. Garrett for you. And to be honest, that's actually how I met Amir, like through my buddies from Las Vegas. I just met Amir playing Fortnite, and then we've kind of been pretty good friends ever since. And Amir, Amir's my squad member. He's the guy that's always in the squad that's just cracking jokes or drinking, drinking Hennessy or whatever that guy drinks nowadays. But that's yep. what he does. And this is actually the second last question, because this is a question that the fans are 100% wondering. Where did okay. you originate this? Where did you originate this kind of bat drop at the back of your swing? So I'm glad you said the bat drop because I actually had I've been answering that a lot on IG live lately. Like you know everyone's like, or, or they'll nominate me for like best bat flips of the year. I'm like guys, I don't bat flip. If you, you know, it's a draw. <laughs> it's a draw. Yeah. Exactly. You know it's kind of like one one of those things. And I, I and I also mention this pretty frequently. Like none of my whether they're the you call them antics or moves or bat drops or anything. None of it's really practiced i mean i do kind of like when, when i hit sometimes i do practice like finishing and following through and, and dropping the bat but like whether it's kind of like a skip out of the box or shoulder shrug out of the box or whatever kind of trot i do or don't do or you know none of it is is premeditated or or, or practiced or thought of prematurely i i i truly just like like my tattoo says let it fly and you know, whatever comes to mind in that moment, I, I, I just do. I'm not afraid to, you know, do me and, and do what's comfortable, comfortable to me. And, uh, you know, but the bat drop is just like a smoothness of the swing. Like when I hit it good and I finish the swing completely and, you know, I know I got it good. Like it's kind of almost like a thing. I used to have a habit when I was a youngster. I used to like as a, out of the left, you know, obviously I'm a lefty. I used to like hit it and like rush out of the box like to get down the line like i wasn't fast anyways i'm still not fast but used to like hit it and go it's like oh i want to get down to first base and so then i started like practicing you know i used to watch like the best hitters and they like would hit it and stick it and finish their swing completely and like really follow through so you know the whole goal for me was like i was starting to practice just like finishing my swing and not rushing out of the box so by no means do i rush out of the box if you know what i'm saying but uh <laughs> yeah. you know, so now so now I just finish the swing, and on the good ones, I get a nice little, uh, nice little bat drop to, to go with it. So. Yeah, and this is the last swing. Let's let's break the internet here. Let's do ESPN. Da-na-na, what will be Derek Dietrich's walk-up song for the 2019 or 2020 season? We need. Well, let's break some news here. Let's get the fans going a little bit. Okay. Well, I usually we're blessed. We have we can, we usually get to have more than one. If you're like Linker, you've got one every at bat. So he's got like four uh, every game. He changes. It's crazy. Like I said, he's like music man. But like um, I I would say everyone knows I've always had Phil Collins in the air tonight. Um, that's always been with the drums kick. Then it then it then it then it then it. Um, so that's always going to be one of mine. Um, 
like one of the songs like I really like little Uzi Vert I mean any one of his songs are, are really uh, kind of hitting right now I'm, I'm listening to a lot of them I think one of them's called Venetian or Venetia or whatever it's, it's yeah it's yeah good, yeah good track. Um, uh, I always try to pick something that's hot and, and like a lot of people are listening to that's trending you know just to keep the fans and the, everyone involved and then one that I personally like and that I've kept you know for, for a long time so um, the good thing is, I know I'm going to have some time to keep thinking about that and narrowing it down, because unfortunately, baseball will be back, ladies and gentlemen. It will be back this year. Heard it here just, first. Yep, but we just don't know when. Um, so we are just got to stay patient. Like I said, stay patient. Yeah, and there you have it, man. I mean, this was one of the episodes where I usually say this at the end, where I kind of step behind myself and say, I can't believe my dumb Juco brain is interviewing Derek Dietrich, the legend. He is one of the most handsome guys to ever hop on this podcast. He is the bachelor of Cincinnati. He's a legend. He is one of the, has one of the nicest swings from the left side in Major League Baseball. And most importantly now, I'm his burner account. He is my friend, Derek Dietrich. Thank you for hopping on this podcast, man. I really appreciate it. You got it, bro. Hey, man, had a good time. Had some fun. Glad I got to, uh, you know, enjoy some good conversation during, uh, you know, this uh, hectic time in, in, in for the country and for the world. But, uh, you know, always good to uh, talk shop, talk some baseball and, uh, you know, give a little insight to uh, the fans out there. So uh, appreciate you having me on, man. We'll have to do it again. Thank you for listening to Officially Unofficial. Make sure you guys subscribe and leave a review on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Pod and on Instagram at Officially Unofficial Pod. Thank you.